Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. Notice in Psalm 134 is it says that it's a song of ascents. And of course, we've been talking about the songs of ascents for quite a while now. We started way back in uh, Psalm 120 and uh, way back the beginning of June. And uh, the songs of ascents are the songs that the people of Israel sang while they were on their way to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. And so back in Psalm 120, We found ourselves in the land of Meshech. That's a Gentile-dominated area far to the north of Jerusalem, an area that's inhabited by a very warlike people. And uh, we saw the uh, people leaving the land of Meshech and heading on their way to Jerusalem. And over the course of the intervening months, we've been drawing closer and closer to Jerusalem each week. And finally, this week in Psalm 134, we have arrived in Jerusalem. And as the people arrive in Jerusalem, they are speaking to the Levites who are working in the temple in Jerusalem. And so it says, Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. And so the people have arrived and they are uh, giving a blessing to the Levites as they arrive. Now, what's especially interesting as they're blessing the Levites is the particular group of Levites that they're speaking to. And they're speaking to the Levites who work third shift. And so it says, Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. And so these particular Levites that they're talking to are the Levites that work third shift, the night watch of the Levites. And uh, before electric lights, there weren't very many people that worked third shift. Most of the world, uh, the sun came up in the morning, they got up, the sun went down at night, nothing to see, go to bed. And uh, there just weren't very many people at all who worked third shift. And one of the very, very few exceptions were a group of Levites in the temple who would serve all night long. And so, once again, keeping a finger or a ribbon or a page marker of some sort in Psalm 134, please turn over to 1 Chronicles chapter 9. And I'd like to read verse 33, 1 Chronicles 9:33. said, these are the singers, heads of their father's houses of the Levites who lodged in the chambers and were free from other duties for they were employed in that work day and night. And so among the Levites, they had some of them that would be employed in praising the Lord in song by day they had other Levites who were employed 
and praising the Lord in song by night. And so that's the group that they're speaking to. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. And it's possible that there's some people who hear me this morning who are thinking, so what? Why do I care that 3,000 years ago, a bunch of Levites halfway around the world praised the Lord at night? What difference does that make to me? And there's a couple of different reasons why this is important. And one of them is it wasn't just 3,000 years ago. It's also eternity future. And so if you would like to turn over to the book of Revelation, chapter 7. And in Revelation chapter 7, I'd like to read verse 15. It says, Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among him. And so we're not just talking about something that happened 3,000 years ago. We're talking about something that's supposed to be going on and is supposed to be going on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And so giving glory to the Lord is so important that it should be going on all the time. Now it's also important because of who the Levites were. And so back in Psalm 134 verse 1 it says behold bless the Lord all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord and so the Levites were the servants of the Lord and they were the ones who stood in the house of the Lord and the Levites were giving the task of blessing the Lord because they were the ones who had the great privilege to be in the presence of the Lord. And with great privilege, then came great responsibility. They had the responsibility to bless because of the privilege they had of being in the Lord's presence. And with that in mind, we can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And in Hebrews chapter 10, I'd like to read verses 19 through 22. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
And so this passage is talking about the fact that those of us who have come to faith in Jesus Christ, we all have direct access into the presence of God. We can come into the holy place ourselves because Jesus Christ has cleansed us with his blood and he's brought us into the very holiest place, the presence of God. And so we have the same great privilege and the same great responsibility that the Levites had. The Levites had the privilege of being in the temple, in the presence of God. Everybody else was outside. And so since the Levites were there in God's presence, they had the responsibility to bless him. And Jesus Christ has given that blessing to us. We can come into the presence of God. And with great blessing comes great responsibility. We have the responsibility to bless God, just like the Levites did. And so, they bless the Lord by night. So it's okay. Um, you know, I'm, I know I'm supposed to bless the Lord. What does it mean for me to bless the Lord by night? And I think it can mean a lot of things. But I think one of the things it can mean, we can see in Psalm 30, verse 5. So if you'd like to turn back to Psalm 30... Psalm 30, verse 5, it says, For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. There's many places in Scripture where night is used of the hard times that we face in our lives. And so I think one aspect of blessing the Lord as we stand by night in the house of the Lord is blessing the Lord during the hard times in our life. That is really, really easy to say. That is really, really, really hard to do. I know every time I come into a hard time in my life, my first thought is not, bless the Lord. When I come to a hard time in my life, it's not unusual for me to pray, but uh, as I'm praying, I'm not usually saying, praise you, Lord. I'm usually complaining, saying, Lord, Lord, how long? How long will you forget me forever? How long will my glory be turned into shame? And I want to complain to him. And yet, because of who he is, even in the midst of that hard time, we're called upon to glorify him. And we have a couple of good examples of that in Scripture. 
One of those is found in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 to 18. And Habakkuk says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall be there be fruit in the vines, and the labor of the olive shall feel, fail, and the field shall yield no meat, and the flocks will be cut off from the fold, and there'll be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Another example in the book of Job, chapter 1, and verse 21. So Job was living the good life. He was wealthy, and he was surrounded by a loving family, and everything was going well. And then in one day, he lost all of it. He lost his wealth. His children all died. His wife said to him, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so in the midst of the deep, dark night of the soul, Job continued to bless the Lord. And the question is, how? How on earth can we do that? With the night being so deep, with it being so dark, with the pain so great, how can we bless the Lord? Please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And in another place he says, for I am persuaded that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And so as we look at 2 Corinthians 4.17, how can we praise God? How can we bless God in the midst of the dark night of the soul? One thing is to remember that our afflictions are light. And it sure doesn't seem that way. We 
can have really, really heavy things happen to us. They don't seem light. They seem soul crushing. How can this be light? And it's light because the weight of glory is so much heavier. And so it's like, well, there's 100 pounds light. And it's like, well, if you're carrying it in your backpack and you're walking 20 miles, it doesn't feel very light. But if you compare it with the weight of the Queen Mary, uh, then, yeah, it is actually pretty light. And so our affliction does not feel light. But compared with the weight of glory that God has in store for us, it is nothing. And so 10,000 years or 10 million years or 10 billion years or 10 trillion years from now, as we look back, we're not going to say, yeah, that was pretty heavy. We're going to look back and say, (laughs) compared to all this weight of glory, that was nothing. And so one aspect is we can try to keep a perspective no matter how terrible the suffering is. It is nothing compared to the glory that God has in store for me. The second thing is the affliction is not only light, but for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. And so it's light and it's temporary. I may have this burden for a day, or I may have this burden for a year, or I may have this burden for three score and 10 years, uh, that's 70, or 80 years, four score years. But the glory is an eternal weight of glory. And so, 10 billion years, you look back and say, yeah, you know, I had a pretty rough stretch of uh, 80 years. I had a pretty rough stretch of 105 years, whatever your rough stretch happens to be. But you know, compared to these last 10 billion years of glory, that was pretty short. Uh, And so as we're enduring the suffering, we know that The suffering in its weight is nothing to be compared with the coming glory. The suffering in terms of its duration is nothing in comparison with this coming glory. And this suffering is productive in terms of the coming glory. And so for our light light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And so this suffering, this suffering is not meaningless. God is working through this suffering, and this suffering is accruing great reward. That this suffering is making the glory bigger. And so it's not only the glory is longer, it's not only the glory is bigger, it's the suffering is making it even bigger still. 
And so our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, in a Muslim-majority country, who are being persecuted fiercely for their faith in Jesus Christ, they've got a bigger weight of glory than we do because they've had more suffering. We're called to share in the sufferings of Christ and we're called to share in the glory that's going to follow. And so if we can, in the dark night of the soul, we can look up, say, Lord, this suffering feels unbearable. Lord, this suffering feels eternal. Lord, thank you that compared to the weight of glory that's coming, this is a light and temporary affliction that's working for me a greater weight of glory. And thank you that you're walking beside me in the midst of this affliction and that you're even carrying me at times through this dark, dark night of the soul. Bless you, Lord, for your goodness to me in the midst of the suffering. And so in our struggles, may the Lord grant us the strength we need to bless him because of the glorious future that he has in store for us. And so in verses one and two, people are talking to the night shift. And they're saying, bless the Lord even through the night. In verse three, the night shift answers. And so back in Psalm 134, verse one, behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. And then the night shift answers back in verse three, the Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. So let's think about who is blessing and who is being blessed in each verse. So in verse one, who's being told to bless? The servants of the Lord. Okay, verse one is telling the servants of the Lord to bless. Who are they being told to bless? The Lord. The servants of the Lord are being told to bless the Lord. Verse two, who is being asked to bless? The servants of the Lord. Who are they being asked to bless? They're being asked to bless the Lord. Okay, now don't let me trick you here because I've had you say the same thing twice. Verse three, who is blessing? 
In verse 3, the Lord is blessing. Verses 1 and 2, the Lord is being blessed. Verse 3, the Lord is blessing. Who is he blessing? You. He's blessing you. The Lord bless you. The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. So now we have to go back to something I talked about way back in June when I was June 14, I was, well, June 13 and 14, I was talking from Psalm 121. And uh, I was saying, when we're studying the Bible and we come to the word you, how do we know whether that's talking to one person or whether that's talking to a group of people? So in English, you is you. It's you or it's you. One person or everybody, it's the same. In Hebrew, it's not. How can we tell as we're studying the Bible, whether that you is talking to one pe- person or whether it's talking to a whole group of people. And I gave you a Bible study tip on June 14 about a quick way to do that. And now it's quiz time. <laughs> Anybody remember the quick way? Ah, Joshua remembers. How can you tell? close. So you got to look in the King James. Your King James uh, is your quick, handy-dandy way of telling whether it's talking to one person or whether it's talking to a group of person. That's why this is a two-Bible sermon here. So Psalm 134. Psalm 134 in the King James, a song of degrees. Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. And the key is, does the word that they're using for you start with a Y or does it start with a TH? So if it starts with a Y, It's talking to more than one person. So it says, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord. It means it's talking to a group of people. Lift up your hands, starts with a Y, in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. It's talking to a group of people. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. Talking to one person. Starts with a T-H, it's talking to one person. Starts with a Y, it's talking to a group of people. So you have ye and you, that's plural, more than one person. You have thee and thou and thine, one person. Starts with a TH. So there's your handy dandy clue for how you can tell real quick when you're studying the Bible whether that Hebrew word is singular or plural. And this is significant because. When God blesses us, he doesn't just give us a blanket blessing for all of us as a group. God blesses us, each one, as individuals. You're not just a number to God. God isn't just blessing you as part of a massive bailout to the poor human race. He cares about you as a particular individual and God is blessing you 
as a particular individual, a particular individual that he loves. He loves you not just as part of a group. He loves you as part of the group. He, he loves you as part of the human race, but he doesn't just love you as part of the human race. He loves you for being you. He loves you in spite of the fact that you're you because you're a sinner. You're a filthy, rotten, dirty sinner. Me too. And I don't deserve God's love. I deserve to be cast away from his presence forever in the lake of fire. And yet he loves me so much that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross, to bear the penalty for my sins, to shed his blood on my behalf so that I could be reconciled to God through faith in him. And he loves you the same way. He loves you so much that he would give his only begotten son to die for you. He loves you that much. He loves you so much that if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will send his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. And he loves you so much that if you belong to him, Jesus Christ is sitting at his right hand and he's interceding for you. And he's not just saying, you know, be nice to all the Christians. He's saying, that Norm Wainer, he messed up today. But you know that my blood has covered him. I died for him. And so, God, I ask that you will look upon him with favor and you will pour out your blessing on him. And he looks on each of us in that way. And so we can see that as we look at the high priestly blessing that is in Leviticus. No, Numbers. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24. So when the high priest is instructed to bless the people of Israel, how is he instructed to do it? Number 624. He says, the Lord bless thee, T-H, singular. The Lord bless thee, the Lord bless thee, the Lord bless thee, the Lord bless thee, the Lord bless thee. The Lord bless thee. The Lord bless thee. It's not just a blanket. The Lord bless all of you. It's the Lord bless each and every one of you. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Not just all of us. Not just an ocean full of insignificant drops. But an ocean in which every single drop is significant.
And so in Psalm 134, the Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. Whenever you are in the deep night of the soul, the Lord wants to bless you as an individual in that time of trouble. And so today, we plan to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are remembering the things that he did for all of us as a group and for each one of us as an individual. That as we partake of the bread, we are remembering that Jesus Christ gave his body to be broken for me. That as they beat him, as they nailed him to the cross, he did it for each one of us who puts our faith in him. And as we partake of the cup, we are remembering that he shed his blood for each one of us who put our faith in him. And it's his blood that washes away our sins and makes us worthy to stand in the presence of God for all of eternity. And so, during this time of uh, COVID-19, we've been celebrating the Lord's Supper a little differently than we often do. We have four different stations around the auditorium where we have the elements available. And as the worship team leads us in singing, I invite each of you who has faith in Jesus Christ and wants to celebrate what he's done for you to come forward um, when you are ready and to take a cup from the tray. Uh, the cups are double cupped. There's juice in the top cup and on the bottom underneath that there's another cup that has the bread. And so as you take the cups, take two of them, uh, go back to your seat, and after everybody has had the opportunity to be served, uh, observing appropriate physical distancing, uh, then we will partake together.